Welcome to our podcast. Was that your way of trying to cut me off? Yes. <laughs> I'm Megan. <laughs> I'm Anna. Uh, okay. So today we are going to do a very, very short story uh, from South Dakota. And here's the thing, actually, that I want to tell you. So if we have a really, really short story that is like 15 minutes or so, I'm probably going to double up and send out another one. So make sure you keep an eye on that. Uh, Just like last week, I sent out two of them or maybe the week before. I don't know when I did it. (laughs) At some point. I thought that was last week. Listen, everything's running into each other in my head. So um, yeah, just keep an eye out for that. We'll occasionally send them out. But otherwise, at this point, you can expect that our shows are going to be out on Sundays. Okay, Sunday morning, I put the show out. Sunday fun day. Whoop, whoop. Uh, if the day is ever going to change, we're going to tell you. Okay? Capiche? Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. So also, before we dive into this story, I do want to bring up uh, Hannah was reminding me about what I refer to as the Nimrod wedding. Yes. I don't even know what made me think of this, but I literally texted her and it was like, I was like ferociously texting her. I'm like, Megan, Megan, like you need to tell this story. Yeah. Okay. So I have a cousin that was getting married. Not a cousin that we talked to. Nope. But mom wanted to go to the wedding and asked if I would road trip with her. And it's actually in a place called Nimrod. It's true. In Minnesota. Uh, I didn't know this existed, but it sure does. So it was the longest drive of my life. There was nothing. It was just field, field, field. That's all. And all the roads are like dirt roads and they're super windy. It's really freaky. And I kept telling mom. So the perfect place to get murdered. Yeah. And I kept telling her, boy, I hope nobody turns us into soup today. So uh, (laughs) we find our place that she booked. Uh, It was this little motel. And it looked pretty sketch. And then you go inside and all of the... um, dresser drawers had wrappers and things in them. So we knew it wasn't clean. (laughs) And uh, there was stuff under the bed. Uh, It was pretty bad. I thank God ditched them for this. So I was not there. But it was an experience. (laughs) Uh, So after the wedding, you know, we of course go back to the motel and we were both feeling really weird about the place. So we actually stacked up like all of our suitcases and everything in front of the door. And so I wake up to mom on the bed. She's like on all fours and she's got the blinds pulled open and she's peeking through a little slot. And all of a sudden she turns around. She goes, Megan, pack your shit. We got to go. We got to go. And I'm like, what is happening? So I jump up and I look out the window and there was, it was the weirdest sight. And to this day, we cannot explain what we actually saw. So there was this wheelchair and there was what appears to be a body. 
I saw the picture of this, you guys, and it seriously was a body. Uh, 1,000%. A body sitting in the chair, but all wrapped up. Completely. Head to toe. And we were like, get out of here now. So we have never packed the car in like so fast in our entire lives. And I am sure that I should have been calling the police. Um, but our phones didn't work. I feel like <laughs> you gotta paint that picture a little better because, like, I mean, face covered. Yeah. Literally head to fucking toe. Yeah. I mean, there was not any skin exposed. Yeah, we were like trying to take photos through the blinds, but it was like so grainy and so bad. But seriously, you still did get that one though. Yeah. That's and what I saw. Our phones did not work in Nimrod. Yeah, they almost died. I mean, yeah. if they would have waited along or, or around there any longer, I'm pretty sure that they would have been there too. I'm convinced that dude was using the wheelchair to transport bodies somewhere. Uh huh. I think so too. Yeah. Uh, it was very sketch, and I'm pretty sure they were dead. <laughs> so uh, there you go. I'm pretty sure they were dead. Yeah. Um. Please don't judge me and say, like, hey, you should have told the police later. I don't know. It was a weird situation. I'm sorry. I think their only concern was getting the hell out of there. Getting out of there. And also, it was prior to me being a freak. Well, no, I was always a freak. (laughs) But prior to me knowing that I was a freak in watching Dateline and all that kind of stuff and listening to podcasts. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So probably mishandled that, but there it is. Uh, That's the Nimrod wedding. (laughs) Uh, But today, I've got a little itty-bitty story for you from South Dakota. Uh, This is Eric Robert, lived in Wisconsin, and was raised by his single mother, and he helped raise his younger sister. He had good grades and put himself through college. He had a successful career in wastewater treatment, worked as an emergency medical technician, volunteered in the community, and coached a little league team. So it sounds pretty well-rounded. On July 24, 2005, Eric posed as a police officer, pulled over an 18-year-old woman, and forced her into the trunk of his car. He that drove. always scares me. Yes. The fact, like, when cops pull you over, like, especially on March. Uh-huh. Yeah. Please call the police station and make sure. Just double check. Yeah. yeah. He drove to a remote location and ended up fleeing when he heard her talking to someone on her cell phone. In 2006, he was convicted and sentenced to 80 years in prison, which I got to tell you, that's kind of surprising that he got 80 years And, like, I know what he was going to do is horrific, but he didn't end up going through with it. Right. And Um, considering all the awful things that have been done out there. Yeah. And they don't get time. Right. Um, Weird. Okay. On April 12th, 2001, Eric was working alone in a part of the prison that was known as Pheasant Land Industries. Inmates are able to work on upholstery, signs, custom furniture, and other various projects. He ended up beating a prison guard, Ronald Johnson, 
also known as RJ, with a pipe and covered his head in plastic wrap to kill him during a failed escape attempt with another inmate named Rodney. Well, that's just rude. Uh, yes. RJ was killed on his 63rd birthday. Oh, no! Yeah. That just got so much worse. I know. A lot more rude. Eric put on RJ's pants, hat, and jacket and approached the prison's gate. He kept his head down and pushed a cart that had two boxes. Rodney was hiding in one of the boxes, and the guards were suspicious as the pair got closer to the gate. A guard approached them, but Eric started beating them. Other guards were able to detain both inmates. Months later, Eric told a judge that his only regret was that he hadn't killed more guards. He pleaded guilty to killing RJ and asked to be sentenced to death. He told the judges that he would kill again. He didn't appeal his sentence, and he even tried to bypass a mandatory state review because he wanted to expedite his death sentence. Oh, that is creepy. Uh Uh-huh. Rodney also pleaded guilty, but he did appeal his death sentence. Another inmate, Michael Nordman, was also given a life sentence for providing the materials that were used in the murder. For religious reasons... Eric spent his final 40 hours fasting, but his last meal was moose track ice cream. Eh, good choice. <laughs> I wouldn't have heard like mm, uh, cookie dough. Um, yeah, I mean, if we're talking ice cream wise, yeah. but I mean, if it could be anything. Mm. Yeah, but that was a good choice. Yeah, no, I can respect that. The 40-hour fast was a metaphor for the 40-day fast of Christ in the Bible. Eric received lethal injection and was pronounced dead at the state penitentiary. What? (laughs) And I don't even have a drink right now. What's a penitentiary? Oh, man. Uh, Okay. But it was in Sioux Falls. (laughs) (laughs) He was the first South Dakota inmate. At a penitentiary? (laughs) I don't even know what's happening. Uh, To die under the state's single drug lethal injection method. And he was only the 17th person that was executed in the state since 1877. Wowza. Yeah. Uh, He was put to death in the prison where he killed the guard. Eric had no expression on his face. The warden asked if he had a last statement, and he said, In the name of justice and liberty and mercy, I authorize and forgive Warden Douglas Weber to execute me for the crimes. It is done. The drug was administered, and Eric began clearing his throat and gasping. Then he snored for about 30 seconds while his eyes were open. He turned pale and eventually went purple. And it was over. When it comes to Rodney, his mental status and death penalty eligibility caused delays in the courts. In 2016, he appealed the death sentence, but later asked to withdraw the appeal against his lawyer's advice. He wrote to the judge saying he thought the death penalty would be overturned and he couldn't imagine spending another 30 years in penalty. What? (laughs) What is happening? 
I don't know, but I'm entertained by it. Uh, he couldn't spend another 30 years in a cage <laughs> doing a life sentence. <laughs> uh, he ended up being the second member in his family to be executed. His older brother. Well, good family they got going yeah, on. Yeah. Roger was executed in Oklahoma in 2000 for killing a man to steal his car. RJ's wife, Lynette Johnson, witnessed Rodney's execution and said her husband experienced cruel and unusual punishment, but lethal injection was peaceful and sterile. She says, what's embedded in my mind is the crime scene. Ron laid in a pool of blood. His blood was all over the crime scene. That's cruel and unusual punishment. Lynette sized down her husband's wedding ring and wears it next to hers. She also kept his watch, the hands, frozen at the time he was attacked. And it's placed in a clear case next to photos above her fireplace. There you go. Okay. Yeah. That ended so sad. Um, okay, you know it started with a murder. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you realize that happened or? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that she, like, sized the wedding ring down and I stuff. Know. Though. Yeah. Oh, man. <sighs> so, right. Yeah, that was a mini. Mm-hmm. Soups mini. Uh, thanks for drinking the Kool-Aid with us. If you want to buy us some tequilas or leave us a note, you can go over to our new webpage, drinkingthekoolaid.com, and that's Kool-Aid with a C. Like us on Facebook, subscribe on any of your podcast apps, leave us a five-star review if you love us. Tell your friends, tell your cats. Um, bye! bye.